Well, a month happened in the last seven days, and it, so much has happened. We had to bring in a, one of our boys to help us talk about it. Welcome back to the show that puts the funk in dysfunctional. This is Wrestling with Ego, your ever loving source of madness, insanity, good conversation, and most importantly, professional wrestling. I'm Patrick. The, the guy you guys are used to seeing in the green shirt is my boy Brian. And of course, we got to, since we're going to talk about all, uh, all elite wrestling's double or nothing, we couldn't do this show without the poster boy <laughs> of all elite wrestling and double or nothing, our buddy RJ. RJ, thanks for joining us on the show, man. I know you That's and That's my you pleasure. Just recently got back in from Vegas, but Brian and I really thank you for joining us because, I mean, if anybody's going to, if we're going to bring in any expert commentary <laughs> for this bad boy, um, you were kind of there. And there's a lot of, Brian, I don't know if you saw this, dude. I'm sure you did because you love RJ as much as I do. Um, he's kind of been all over the place in terms of that, that, that handsome face of his. You know, you can kind of vogue it there, brother. Um, but um, he's so, kind of the foot soldier of the all or nothing or double or nothing movement, if you will. Oh, he is. He is totally, uh, totally one of the foot soldiers. But so, if you watched Double or Nothing and you saw the coverage from Fight TV, you saw RJ because they interviewed RJ on the floor. What man? Five, five minutes after the show wrapped. Yeah, yeah, it was about five minutes. Five minutes after the show wrapped, he is Look still... at him trying to act all humble and stuff. I, it was right after I took my selfie with Justin Roberts. Okay, and he also got a selfie with Justin Roberts, one of the th five best ring announcers in all of combat sports. And I'm talking boxing, mixed martial arts, and pro wrestling. Uh, I'd put, I, it's no joke, I would put Justin Roberts up there with Michael Buffer, with Jimmy Lennon Jr., and I can't remember... Um, Joe Martinez, just in terms of just being a great ring announcer, he's uh, he's absolutely phenomenal. Oh, he is! I love, I've I've always loved his work, and I appreciate a good ring announcer. So, Me too. He, RJ interviewed by Fight TV. Um, he was featured on the Instagram page for All Elite. Uh, and then, if that wasn't enough. At about 17 minutes and change. Seven, 17 minutes and 51 seconds, sir. Brian, I never want to hear about me putting myself over <laughs> ever Because I would not that moment. I don't want to hear a damn thing out of your mouth for the rest of your life. So um, what we're saying is RJ's got the fullest bingo card of anybody who went to double or nothing. Oh, hell yeah. yeah. I mean, hey, he went to Vegas and he... Went all in, double or nothing, and not only, yeah, not only danced all night with Lady Luck, Lady Luck got knocked up. <laughs> <laughs> he, he is carrying RJ, baby. It was um, a good day. It was a good day. 17 minutes and 50-some-odd seconds into being the elite. You see that bearded bastard right there screaming 
oh my God, because Adam Hangman Page made a surprise entrance into the buy-in battle royal. Absolutely, and I was one of the marks that completely bought that he wasn't going to be there. I didn't, I didn't buy the knee injury, but I bought that he wasn't going to be there because he didn't have a match. So, yeah. Because let's be honest, Pac decided to be a little bit too big for big, big for his britches, as we say down south. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, moving right along, we got so much to talk about, and since we're already five minutes into all this, I just want to throw out first off, thank you guys for joining us, like you do every week. This is going to be a fun show, and I'm glad you guys are a part of it. If you want to get involved in this week's conversation, hit us up on Twitter. You can hit me up at Rant Mode On. You can hit Brian up at bkrigo 15 And I want to make sure I get this one right. You can hit RJ up at RJEman with two N's, correct? Absolutely. That is correct. Man. Um, so hit, us up, hit all three of us up on Twitter. I have a funny feeling RJ is gonna gonna pop in and out of the show every now and then yeah, at his convenience whenever bloody hell he wants. Because you know, just like me, he is a villain, and villains come and go as they please. You know, sorry, Brian, yeah, right. you're outnumbered and you got to deal with because we run in packs there, bro. It you know it's called the numbers game. Yeah, that's fine. I'm certainly used to it. I'd actually like to kick the conversation off with you, good sir, if I could. Um, we have several questions we want to ask you, seeing as how you were there and you First were experiencing up. it. Um, yeah. the, no, he's the, not being modest or anything, Brian. <laughs> right. I got um, you've been down since this movement began. Uh, what is it specifically that attracts you to what Cody is putting together with All Elite Wrestling? Well, it's not it's not just Cody. It's uh, Cody and the Bucks, and and to an extent also Kenny. Kenny is actually my favorite wrestler in the ring, but um, it's just the the people that Cody and the Bucks are just drew me to them years ago. Like I've I I was really into the Bullet Club, and then with the Bucks and how they're just amazing. And I, as a dad, I love how much they care about being dads, and it's. I just I love the people that they are on top of they're some of the best wrestlers on planet Earth and they're some of the most intricate creative minds in the business and they weren't any they weren't able to well the Bucks were had been able to showcase it for a while but not on a national stage like they should be able to and going to WWE just never seemed to be the right thing for these guys and when Cody was there you know you guys know the stories he's talked about it all um i just it's it's the people that they are is really what drew me to them and then the amazing creativity in wrestling hooked me and i'm i'm been hooked for years i'm i thought about getting an aew tattoo while we were in vegas but i didn't do it <laughs> i wouldn't make fun of you for that um no no line um here's and now, now i got a question for you before we actually get into the show um but it is a show-related question. Absolutely. You've been to, you've been to WWE shows. Yeah, oh, yeah, many. Absolutely. You've been to NXT shows. Uh, I went to one NXT house show, yeah. Okay. Compare and contrast the energy in the room from a great WWE show, an NXT house show, probably at the Agora Theater in Cleveland, I'm yep. guessing, yep. and Double or Nothing last night. Put it into a comparison because I, I know a lot of our fans have probably been to WWE shows or they've been to a Ring of Honor show or 
NXT or something like that. What was the feel for this? Because I know you're a sports guy through and through. I mean, you're, you're Bruins, right? your Bruins right now are one and one right now in, in the uh, Stanley Cup Finals. Oh, that, was a, that was a hell of a game uh, on uh, Wednesday night, by the way. It was. Um, kind of give me your take as how this measures up with other sporting events, wrestling and maybe even not wrestling. Um, well, I'll tell you one thing is that I posted a bunch of photos and videos on my YouTube page and or, uh, my Facebook page. I mean, and in one of those videos, I'm heard saying I've never felt anything like this in my life. It was just the everybody there knew they were a part of something that was changing the universe we all care about so much for the better. And it, the closest thing, honestly, the closest thing that I can compare it to was actually all in back in September. And there's, I, there's nothing I can compare it to. It was, it's just, we knew that we were taking part in something that was bigger than just one singular wrestling show, both times, both all in and double or nothing. And the feel at double or nothing was just, Oh man, it's just not it's not anything I can put into words. It was it was unbelievable. And I used that word probably four or five times in my fight TV interview because I just there's no I can't it's unbelievable. I don't believe it. <laughs> now, one thing I knew from watching the show, to me, and this is you know, kind of bringing my southern roots back into this, it honestly felt like a college football game. But everybody yeah. You know, there was only really one team on the field, and it was right. AEW, but everybody was immersed. I, you know, Brian hates it when I kind of, well, doesn't hate it, but he, he begrudgingly deals with it when I go down this route. It, to me, listening to the crowd, it felt like an iron ball. It felt like Auburn and Alabama, where right. it's just, it just passion. This is what we care passion. about. We're here because this is what we live for. Right. Absolutely. Passion is the word. Passionate. That's how it felt. Passionate. That is a fantastic word. It was just everybody there was just so passionate for everything. And I have to mention, I would argue there were two teams, AEW and MJF. Yeah. <laughs> I'm out of here. Oh, my God. That now. That kid's a star. I have never... The only person I can compare heel heat to in the last five years to MJF at Double or Nothing is Tommaso Ciampa. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, that's what was in my head as you were going. I thought that's what you were going to say. And, and Brian, and I have, Brian, you and I have talked about this on the show before. There's a difference in heat and venom. And that was a venomous reaction Absolutely. that wasn't just I'm here to boo that wasn't me booing the Miz because I think the Miz is a great heel and I find him absolutely entertaining this is I want you to die I want <laughs> someone to a pile driver and you never walk again hate yeah absolutely and the way MJF commanded that I was like Man, that that was just gold. Absolutely. Brian, you hate this phrase, but that was 
the ex an exemplary defining example of heel 401. 401. I mean, it was wow. just master class. Um, something else to follow up on that, RJ. Um, throughout the time you were there, your, your comings and goings through all the different events, I'm sure you had conversations with other fans. What yeah. kinds of conversations, or what was the main topic of them? You know, what, what were their hopes for it? What were they looking to get out of the weekend? That sort of thing. Uh, there was a lot of, uh, who do you think is going to beat number 21 in the Battle Royale? Um, it, it seemed everybody thought it was Moxley. Um, that's what I thought. So, and me too, and that's kind of why I lost it the way I did when Hangman came out because I 100% expected it to be Moxley. Um, the the match that everybody seemed to be most looking forward to was the Bucks and the Lucha Brothers. There was a lot of talk about people being excited to see the Bucks get time because it all in they got rushed at the end because the timing ended up not right and they didn't get the match that they deserved and there was a lot of talk both around Starcast and when I would just run into people in the casinos and stuff and we'd start talking and I played poker at the poker tables I talked to a lot of guys and a lot of people were just really excited the Young Bucks were going to get time yeah because that was one thing I was disappointed with with All In was because even though you had a really great match between Okada and uh, Jesus Christ I'm blanking on his name Marty Skrull um, yep. you were, that was a great match, but it took away from the Bucks and uh, the the Bucks and Ibushi versus Ray and whoever. Bandito, yeah, yeah. I, I find it funny that two of those guys are now in WWE. <laughs> right. But um, yeah. So, bottom line, I'm, and I've I've listened to a lot of different podcasts and i've listened to um busted open busted open on sirius xm yeah. over the last couple of days there's a general consensus that one match stole the whole show what do you think it was rj uh cody and dustin okay that's the general belief is yeah that was like the the savage steamboat wrestlemania three that was Absolutely. like yeah, here's the main event but yeah top this right absolutely it was there were people i i didn't see anybody within my area of vision that was not crying at the end of that yeah it was a beautiful moment even cody breaking up absolutely. I, thought, I thought the emotion carried from beginning to end because the way i looked at it and me growing up again in the south my wrestling, the, the youth of my wrestling experience had Dusty's fingerprints all over it because right. it was all NWA. It was the Dusty finish. It was war games. It was, you know, it was it was the houseman, if you will. Um, right. That match seemed like it was written by the dreams. It was it had his fingerprints all over it. Now it's like it 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 felt very it felt very 1980s center stage Atlanta, Georgia. It felt like it was a it, it felt like it was a WCW taping or a or an NWA taping at center stage. I was like, it, man, 
Yeah, and if you if you listen to if you listen to Cody talk in interviews and stuff, like that's the kind of stuff that he loves. Is the old stuff. And not even necessarily just his dad, but everybody from that era. Cody just he, he loves it and Dustin too. So I mean, man, they they went out there and they tore the house down. Whoever said Dustin whoever said Dustin didn't have anything left to give lied, by the way. Absolutely. He looked phenomenal for an old fart. Um speaking of old farts that still got it. I got two letters for you. Take this dude's name and reverse the letters. J R. Man. You know, I've watched a lot of the stuff on Access TV from New Japan. And when Mauro Ranallo was doing it, don't get me wrong, I love Mauro Ranallo. I, you know, whether it's NXT, whether it was New Japan, whether it's boxing on Showtime. I watched I watched the Deontay Wilder fight a few weeks ago. It was just like, like man, Morrow is so good with this. JR, you know, some of those old timers, you use that phrase, he's still got a lot left in the tank. JR's just got it. I mean, it's just natural. Because yep. I... Who was the third guy in the booth? It was him, Excalibur, and... Uh, Alex Marvez. Um, I don't know a whole lot about him, um, but that's, does, yeah, that's his name. He does, he does uh, NFL for Sirius XM. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. He mentioned that at the, the press conference. He said that. Yeah. And he used um, to work for Fox Sports, I think, too. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. And he occasionally would fill in on Busted Open as well. Massive wrestling fan. I didn't... Alex Marvez, I thought progressively got better as the match went on i truth be told my critique i could do without him give give me jr and excalibur all the way i agree caliber is so good I'll, i'll tell you what when on january 1st when they officially announced aew is gonna be a thing i looked at my wife and i the first thing i said was god i hope they get excalibur on commentary I wanted Excalibur to be the voice of AEW so bad. Well, he's not because it's Jim Ross. And I'm Absolutely, fine. and that's fine. A <laughs> um, couple of things before we get into the really nitty-gritty of um, the show and kind of like aftermath, feedback, things like that. The real reasons we actually wanted to bring you on, kind of the critical analysis of the whole thing. Um, <clears throat> how did you feel about the, um, the, the throne spot? where Cody took the uh, sledgehammer to the throne. Your thoughts on it, because a lot of people say hokey. A lot of people say really cool. A lot of people said it's the first shot to start the war, blah, 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 blah. What did you, 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 you like? What did you think? I thought it was awesome. Um, I I was really angry. It's, it's crazy. I took it a lot more personally than I should have, being such a big supporter of these guys, when Triple H called them a piss-at company at the Hall of Fame ceremony. Um <laughs> That was kind of a, a, a low blow. Yeah, absolutely. I, that, that made me a lot madder than it should have as somebody who isn't actually an employee of the company. Um, but I, I love I thought it was fantastic, and I thought that it fit with Cody's going to kill the Attitude Era theme. I think it was, honestly, I think that it was more about that than it was about Triple H. I, he had Attitude Killer on his weight belt. In the promos leading up to the Dustin match, he said he was going to destroy the Attitude Era. I, I honestly think it was more than just Triple H, but 
maybe he picked Triple H as the, you know, the symbol of the Attitude Era for a reason. Brian, you got something and to say. And that's something, I was going to bring that up a couple of weeks ago. Because I've been watching, now I don't have access to all this stuff like you guys do. So I watch what I can. I'll, I'll watch some clips on YouTube. I'll watch some promotional material. I'll read press releases and things like that. I actually caught the promo that Cody gave. I think it was just him. He was in a darkened office in a black suit with a red tie or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it was about two and a half, three minutes long. The I Love My Brother promo? Yeah, I think so. But he spun that into this I'm going to kill the Attitude Era thing. And he took a shot at somebody very near and dear to my heart in that promo. And you would have thought that I would have had a reaction to that. And I did at the time. But then my uh, podcasting brother over there is getting me to kind of realize the long game and see the forest for the trees and things like that and maybe not be quite so reactionary. I understand why Cody is making these decisions that he's making. I understand why this is such a great thing for the professional wrestling business because the big elephant in the room appears to be stuck in 1993. (laughs) And we're presenting ourselves here as an alternative to all of that. So I want to say, for the record, I'm on board with everything that's going on. I think choice is great. I think... You know, all the buzz that's coming out of that was well overwhelmingly positive. So, you know, I didn't have a problem with the throne spot either. I thought, okay, I'm presenting myself as an alternative here. The symbolism is very evident to anybody that's paying attention. Yeah. So I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah. My thing on the throne spot, I thought it was a little hokey. I'm like, okay, yeah. Because my big beef has been, and we talked about it on last week's show, or no, we would no, we talked about it on the lost episode of uh, Wrestling with Ego, <laughs> the one that didn't make air. Yeah, yeah, Brian's still a little pissed off at me about that one. Bless you. Thanks. My big, my big beef was there were so many fans that were. Like RJ, and I'm not saying RJ did this, but, you know, had that same gusto about AEW, but it was AEW is going to put WWE out of business. And they're still going on because these same fans are getting pissed because you won't choose one side or the other. I mean, and you're talking to the guy who would hang out at my buddy Matt's house during the Monday Night War, and Matt had a cable splitter in his room and two TVs and Raw on one Nitro on the other, damn the consequences. We watched them both, damn it. <laughs> and I was the exact opposite growing up. I lived with my aunt and uncle at the time, and he was always upstairs watching Nitro, and I was always in the basement watching Raw. Oh, I preferred Nitro. <laughs> I, I preferred Nitro so much more. until not, And honestly, it was the night Foley beat The Rock for the title, and then that changed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. But I was like, uh, yeah, literally, Shivani said McFoley's going to win the world title. Oh, that's going to put the butts in seats. We literally, we literally just stopped watching Nitro. <laughs> we were all marking out for McFoley. Right. Um, but anyway, the point that I was going to make is all these guys saying, oh, it's going to put it out of business. I was very reluctant to go, yeah, even though in the back of my mind, I'm like, there's no way this isn't going to work. I mean, 
All In worked. All In was a massive success commercially, monetarily, and as far as the product is concerned. Um, like they're gonna they're gonna knock this out of the park to the point where it can be still sailing. Um, I I expected it. It's exactly what happened. I didn't want to pass my own judgment as to whether or not I was going to say, yep, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm buying into this or not until I actually saw it because you never know. Hey, Bischoff had a great idea and it ran its course very quickly. Uh, Russo had great ideas and then he got on his own and <sighs> Jesus Christ, talk about putting the dump in dumpster fire. Yeah, no doubt. Um, yeah. After seeing the show, Yo, uh, uh, game on! I, yeah. I, I don't think we're, I don't think we're gonna see a war like we did in the the mid to late nineties. I don't think we're gonna have a Monday Night War per se, but I do think we now have a legitimate um second option. Don't get me wrong, I I enjoy Ring of Honor. Ring of Honor does some amazing stuff, and there's some amazing talent in Ring of Honor. Uh, Jay Lethal, Matt Taven, Kelly Klein, the list goes on and on. The Briscoes. Um, New Japan has great talent, but at the same time, I think New Japan's losing its steam because some of their most popular guys are now running AEW. Yeah, you should watch some of these Best of Super Juniors matches. They're pretty good. Oh, I have to. First off, Super, the you know, junior heavyweight conversation in, in New Japan begins and ends with Will Ospreay. No yeah. sense. Um, him and Ibushi, but Ibushi's not a Ibushi's what intercontinental, intercontinental title now, yeah, yeah. But I loved what I saw, I loved all the matches. There's one thing I hated, I hate it, I hate it. I hate it, hate it, hate it. What's that? The Judas effect. Oh, I don't like it either. I, oh, I was so scared you were going to say something I love. I don't like that either. I want it now. Keep in mind, don't get me wrong, I love Jericho. He's one of my all-time yes. Um Jericho has had multiple finishing moves. The Lion Tamer. The the lion salt, the walls of Jericho, which was a watered down version of Lion Tamer. Yeah. Um, the code breaker. And I'm forgetting one. And I, I I purposely misplaced one. The flashback. You guys remember that one? I don't. You forgot another one. A sleeper fall out into a uh, reverse DDT. I thought that was I the worst thing that. he ever did until the Judas effect. You forgot another one. What? The moss-covered three-fingered family credenza. Don't forget about that one. <laughs> <laughs> That's good stuff. And, of course, we can't, we can't forget hold number three. Our bar. Wait, give me my holds. Give me, give me my holds. There are so many jokes within the fact that Jericho and Malenko both work for AEW. I forgot about that. <laughs> I, I loved everything, but I, my, my whole, it, it, Omega and Jericho was everything that I expected it to be. It was just a damn good wrestling match. It was. But I saw that uh, when he hit 
the Judas effect and got the pin. I was like, he went out like that? Right. I mean, it's kind of like, I know Brian hasn't seen them. RJ, have you seen any of the Harry Potter movies? Uh, not all of them, but I've seen some of them, yes. The last one. Did you Voldemort. say I haven't seen them? I thought you haven't seen them. I, was, I own every single one of them. In okay, the I, books. What, 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 what? Breaking news right now. See, I stand correct. Yes, I'm going to use that friggin' graphic every mm. week now because I found it. How <laughs> dare you? Uh, my bad. I'm my Mr. Bad. Harry Potter in the chamber of everything and the sorcerer's everything. <laughs> okay, well, at the end of Deathly Hallows Part 2, Voldemort goes out like a sucker. Voldemort yes. goes out like a sucker. Uh, I'm trying to watch my language because Daisy's children's going to be watching this. Um, Kenny Omega went out like a sucker. And I was like, he, he got knocked out by by that? Right, yeah. yeah. That, dude, if we were to do a top five of like dumbest finishing moves ever, that, that might be number one. I agree, one hundred percent. Oh, it's horrible. Yeah, awful. And I, I mean, I'm a, I'm a huge Kenny fan. Like, I got autograph. I mean, I'm a massive. I, I went to the show in Kenny Omega Super Kicks shoes. Like, I'm, I'm a huge Omega Mark. Like, I, I hated that move beating him. I hated it so much. And leading up to the show, when Jericho was doing, when Jericho put out that video about, I came out with a new, I have a new finisher. I thought that that video was going was getting released because he was going to go for it and not hit it and when he went for it we would know what it was because of the video and then when he hit it and won i was like really that's that's the move that won the match you'll both appreciate this this is how much i hate it john cena's sixth move of doom the lightning <laughs> is better than the than the judas effect i don't know The lightning fierce Jackie Chan thing that Cena does works because it's so freaking ridiculous. Same thing with the people's elbow. It's an elbow drop that's not off the top rope, but because there's so much theatricalness to it, it works. Right. It was a spinning back elbow that was half-assed. Look, if John Jones does that to UFC... Jericho does that. I'm like, oh my god. Yeah, it was it. It looked horrible. It didn't. It did. It wasn't a good one, and not at all. I'm sure he's done it where it looks like it could knock a guy out, but that wasn't the one. Yeah, it was. It was freaking terrible. Um, let's get into some of the the actual event um, instead of just these little snippets. Absolutely. Um, so we now going into Fighter Fest. I love the name of that pay-per-view. Me too. Me too. I'm like, they are digging at Firefest and that's hysterical. My wife didn't act didn't know what Firefest was when Fighter Fest came out. So I showed her all the stuff and she just she couldn't stop laughing after that. Anybody has Hulu, uh, anybody on Hulu, there is a mockumentary on uh, on it on Hulu. There's a legitimate documentary legitimate documentary on Netflix. And it's wonderful. It is very good. There is a mockumentary on Hulu that is pee your pants funny. <laughs> yes, it is. 
It is as funny as, say, Robin Williams live on Broadway, his HBO special where he says the F word one and 39 times. I counted in college. <laughs> we, used to play a drink, we used to play a drinking game to it. Yeah, it's a, that, oh, God, that's a fantastic drinking game. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, because somebody could end up in the hospital. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah, you take you take a shot every time he drops an f bomb. There's 139 of them, RJ. For the love of God, that's a lot of Southern comfort. Yeah. Oh, that you said the one drink. Oh God, Southern comfort made me quit drinking for four years after my 21st birthday. Aha! Uh, they don't don't worry, Brian. Brian and I know a Mexican restaurant and uh, down down the road from uh, the down the road from Squishy Stardust Studios, right here on uh, 666 Pissed Off Avenue, that serves some damn fine tequila. <laughs> damn fine tequila. Um. So anyway, um, what was to, in, in your opinion the kind of the reaction in the crowd to the fact that at Fighter Fest, we've now got Hangman Page Jericho for the AEW title. Time out. Before we get to that, Bret Hart bringing out the AEW title. Was it just me, or did that seem like a massive middle finger to WWE? Absolutely. On both AEW's part and Bret Hart's part. Yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm kind of. I'd be kind of curious to find out why Brett, you know, was was willing to do that. I I wonder if it had something to do with the Hall of Fame when that <coughs> fan decided to attack Brett or anything like that. I don't know, but it was just like, okay, this guy's a two-time Hall of Famer, and now he is, and, and now he's pimping out the. Uh, AEW world title, which is gorgeous. I mean, you can you can you can see behind me. I'm a belt collector. I uh, I own that one. <laughs> it's it's the most beautiful belt I've ever seen. It's gorgeous. I'm not counting that one. What's your favorite world? What's your favorite championship belt ever? IWGP Heavyweight Championship. Okay. Cool. I honestly, I got. I, I'm old school. I got to go with the. Uh, with the uh, the big gold belt. That's what I figured you were going to say, being from Alabama. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. It, hey, I got to go with the big gold belt, man. My boy, my boy Sting won that one. <laughs> yeah, right, right. My boy Sting won that one. So, um, but what's the, what, is, what was the general reaction in the crowd, especially after Double or Nothing was over, that it's now Hangman and Jericho for the title? Um... I, I can only speak for myself when it comes to this, when it comes to that. And uh, John Moxley didn't give me a whole lot of time to think about it. <laughs> I didn't. I, I, I mean, I, I, it's when he when he first pinned Kenny, I'm, there was a you know a, a, spl, a splurge of, oh well, it's going to be Hangman and Jericho. That's going to be awesome. But then Jericho started asking for a thank you again, and then Moxley didn't give anybody any time to react to anything. Except right. he uh, with a pulse. Yeah. Oh, oh man. Well, well, let's go into that. I heard it. If in anybody that's seen the clips, I know Brian's seen it. The clip of when Moxley, they find they people realize he's coming down the stairs, coming through the crowd. 
JR has his amazing goal. Hey, hey, what the hell? Which was just awesome as hell. When he hits the ring, how how loud was that place? Because it didn't seem loud as a son of a gun on TV. It was the second biggest pop that I've ever been a part of. Humble brag, I was a part of the Hardy Boys pop at WrestleMania 33. Okay, so that was... That was number one. I don't know that anything will ever top that. If there was a roof on that building, I feel like it literally would have collapsed. Um, second is John Moxley for sure. Okay. And it was it was explosive. And I got to put my wife over a little bit. Um, as soon as the Jericho Omega match ended, she ran to the bathroom because she had to go since before the match started. She came back, couldn't get into our aisle, so she stood at the end of our aisle. And uh, you can see it on the as John Moxley is making his way to the ring, the last person he passes before he jumps over the wall and he brushes up against her is my wife. Oh! Mrs. E got the, got the, got the brush, up, brush up with Mox. Absolutely, and I told her, I said, you owe me a huge thank you for telling you to wait till the end of the match to go to the bathroom. <laughs> Talk about having a golden horseshoe up y'all's asses. Oh, God. It was, I, I, I'm not kidding when I say best weekend of my life. It just kept getting better. And, I mean, it all happened in Las Vegas where we were for four days. Like, it was, it was unbelievable. Yeah. Running into people Thursday night, there was the, the jam session at StarCast. Jericho showed up. The Bucks showed up. Uh, SCU was there because Kaz's band was the, what was doing the jam session. Uh, the Bucks' parents were there. I took a picture with the Godfather. I got to tell him about when I was six years old, and he came out as Papa Shango and made me hide under my chair. And he put his hand on my shoulder and said, I love hearing stories like that, and thanked me. And that was... I could have gone home after that, and that was the first day we were there. That, that is awesome. I've always heard that Charles Wright, the Godfather, Papa Shango, you know, the... the Kama Mustafa, whatever you want to call him. Uh, I've always heard he was one of like the coolest dudes. Nicest guy ever. He he was there to party and drink like everybody else was, and yet he still stood there for 45 minutes taking pictures with every single person that asked him. It was it was awesome. Gotta love man, I love that. Um Okay, so Brian and I like to do this, and I know from our softball conversations that are our, our conversations at church league softball stuff that we've done we've booked stuff in the dugout so all right we're back in the dugout where rj where are you taking this because fighter fest is what next month fighter fest is june 29th or 26th i think it's june 29th i'm pretty sure it's june 29th where are you taking this Oh man, there's there's so many different places they could go. I mean, I feel like for Fighter Fest, they're not going to do a whole lot of story. Um, I feel like they they will get more into that at Fight for the Fallen and All Out. Um, but I can tell you that one thing that I'm unbelievably excited about is uh, John Moxley versus Joey Janela is at Fighter Fest, and that match is going to be off the rails. <laughs> out it's they're doing janela and yeah and i'll tell you what the storyline to the match that they did out that aw put online is absolutely phenomenal for these two guys they're in the locker room 
and Janela pulls a cigarette out of his pack and he lights up a cigarette and Moxley just takes it from him and starts smoking it and then just flicks it and walks out. And so now they're having a match because Joey Janela's pissed he stole a cigarette. <laughs> Which is so Joey Janela. Yeah, but at the same time, that's just good old school stuff. Right. It's right. It's phenomenal. It's great. It's great. Um, I'm, I'm uh, super excited for the the Cody Dustin Rhodes versus Bucks is is at Fighter Fest too. That's going to be phenomenal. Um, I don't know where you can go with Kenny or Jericho. I mean, I don't know if you do Jericho Hangman there. I don't know if you wait on that. Um, I don't know what you can do with Kenny because Moxley has a match with Janela, so it's I don't know. Oh, you leave Kenny. You, truth be told, I honestly think you could leave Kenny off the show. Probably. Moxley and Janela have just an absolute just. Brawl. God, it's gonna be a banger. <laughs> you obviously have to put Moxley over in this, and I, then Kenny, you know, Kenny gets hits just like Mox got his after Double or Nothing at, at the, you know, at the end of that match at Fighter Fest. Kenny evens a score. That'd be phenomenal. You can, build, you can start building that up with, okay, you got me. Now I'm gonna get you, and you just, you can just continue escalating that. Little by little by little right. until you went all out is supposed to be what I when when, when is that kind of slated for August 31st? And Fight for the Fallen is in July, that's the, the one that benefits the victims of gun violence, right? And that and they're they're doing that. I know they're doing that that in Jacksonville. Are they doing that at the football stadium? Or are they going to do that in an arena? I'm not. I'm actually not sure. I, it might be at the football stadium. Now that you mention it, I'm not 100 positive. Arena owns that. Right. Yeah. Um, man, it, there's so many things to talk about because it was just such a good show, but it was a great show without storyline to it. Right. It was kind of an introduction to, hey, this is what you're going to get with us. Let's have some fun. Yeah, um, and I mean, even the Battle Royal had a bunch of spots that show you kind of what AEW is going to be. Like, where uh, Joey Janela got the, the cigarettes. Jimmy Havoc stapled the cigarette to his forehead. Like, and, and Orange Cassidy coming out and doing just the, the weak kicks to Tommy Dreamer. And then the big weak super kick, like it's entertaining stuff. Like it's and it's it's going to be entertaining. And there was a, there was a lot of setup of long term stuff too. And I, I long term booking, it's it's a thing. <laughs> Mama Llama is heading upstairs, and since uh, the uh, the Golden Hurricane is here, to, is a uh, spit of the night tonight. She's like, give me the baby monitor. <laughs> Because, you know, we're both sound sleepers. And when that kid decides that she's about to wick the bed, yeah. We still use a baby monitor for a darn good reason, boys and girls. Invest in them if you have kids. If, if you have wee ones, they help. Yeah, they do. <laughs> um, let's change gears. We've talked, we, we've talked a good 30 some odd minutes on the actual show. I hate doing this. Because it's just embarrassing. We have to talk about WWE's response to it. Because you think Saturday night, AEW blows this thing out of the water. We got to, you know, we got to answer. We got to throw out a Monday Night Raw that's just going to kick the 
All right, here's my one. Here's my one. My one for the night. Kicks the shit out of everything. Well, it was shit, all right. Yeah, no doubt, absolutely. I'm, this is this is me looking at my watch, waiting for WWE's response to Double or Nothing. Yeah, we're still waiting. Here's my <laughs> from what I read. This was the worst rated Raw. Thank God I said that slowly. Uh, <laughs> in five years. Wow, I didn't. I hadn't heard that. Oh, it was. It, it drew like a two point one. <sighs> Sorry, I, I don't mean to smile. <laughs> and truth be, truth be told, as much as I enjoy WWE, I laughed at that because I'm like, oh, dude, really? I love, I love WWE. I love the talent there. I love the wrestlers there. But there's something about the management there and all the stories I've heard that just makes me smile at a two point one. <clears throat> well. When you listen to this week's episode of Talk is Jericho, might get a pretty good idea why, because Chris Jericho's guest was none other than John Moxley. Absolutely. Known as Dean Ambrose. And Moxley said some pretty damning things about WWE, not necessarily in terms of, you know, them being crappy people or anything like that. It was just business practices. And he knew he was on his way out. He, well, he at least had a feeling. Here's like the clip notes for you, version for you, boys and girls. He had a feeling he was on his way out in 2018, midway through 2018. He was excited to come back from his injury, but he wasn't excited to go back to WWE. Then Roman got sick. And he wasn't happy about any of it. Not necessarily Roman getting sick. Roman's his friend and he loves it. And he made it very clear that he, that Joanna Y is his boy. But the fact that they wanted him to turn on Seth that night and then do that promo about bashing Roman because he was weak and bashing Seth because he was weak. He's like, it made me, it, it was, it was disgusting. And then they wanted me to do it again. And I pretty much just yelled in Vince's face. Damn. And though, by the way, he also, he also in my favorite part of the entire episode was him bashing Brock Lesnar and that God awful match at WrestleMania 31. Ugh. Yeah. No doubt. So piggybacking off of those comments from John Moxley to how absolutely piss poor Raw and SmackDown were for this week into the fact that now there's rumors that WWE might do something to punish Renee Young. Of course there's rumors of that. I mean, I, you know. I know, but I'm just like, okay, how asinine is this? Because now it seems like all of the nonsensical storylines that WCW did that cost them everything, WWE is doing the exact same thing. Absolutely. But They have more money to cushion their fall than WCW did. That's what the difference is here. Yeah, it's called a billion dollars from Fox. Right. do it they could lose in the ratings 
all year long. And they're fine. Because not only do they have that $1 billion from Fox, they've got that $10 billion from the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. No, we're not going to talk about that show this week. Even though I'm not watching it. I'm not watching it either. I'll watch, you know what I will do? I'm going to watch TakeOver. No, oh, yeah. Oh, God, yes. Absolutely. I'm watching TakeOver for sure. I've never, I have never and will never watch any show they do in Saudi Arabia. No, absolutely not. I will not, however, miss a takeover. Right. Yeah. Um, and we'll, we'll talk about that very briefly as we, as we get ready to wind down the show. Uh, Brian, you've kind of sat there quietly for a little bit. i got to bring you back into this, man. You've just kind of been, been listening. You have been the WWE guy on this show. And I'm not knocking anything. I don't want you to think I'm trying to be the heel on this. I'm literally trying to bring in conversation. You have been the WWE guy and your affiliations have never switched in your entire life. Whereas me, it was WCW. Whereas RJ right now, he's more he's more AEW than WWE. Where do you stand in on this? Talk to me. You know, is it frustrating? Is it embarrassing? Are you angry? Or truth be told, do you think uh, they'll work it out? Talk to me. I am angry. Um, and I personally don't see how any WWE loyalist like me could not be angry about the way things are happening. I saw something on Twitter a couple days ago that kind of summed this up. There was a guy, we've been trying to grow our audience a little bit over the past several weeks. I've been seeing these follow trains and things like that from other people that are passionate about wrestling the way we all are. And Following them and getting follows from them has exposed me to things that I've never seen before. One of these guys, I forget what his handle is, but he posted a video of here's how I watch Raw now. And yep. he had his DVR queued up and he had the fast forward button on a factor of four. <laughs> and it's going, you know, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, an hour. And then he stopped on something that he thought was interesting, watched it for like 30 seconds, fast forwarded it again. Sadly, gentlemen, that's the way I find myself watching Raw now, too, because a lot of times I'll DVR because we're out and about doing things on a Monday night. I'll put it on, you know, after the lovebird turns in for the night and I'm, you know, staying up watching it. If there's a wrestler involved that I like, I'll watch it. If there's a wrestler out there cutting a promo, I'll watch it. But lately it's been, I'd say, about two years consistently now of just skits and ill-conceived promos and pandering commentary and matches with 19 commercial breaks shoehorned into them because we got to get our sponsors in there and stuff like that. And it's just not compelling. If it's not an NXT match, if it's not, you know, a big four pay-per-view like WrestleMania, Royal Rumble, SummerSlam, et cetera, et cetera, it just doesn't hold my attention. And I don't know if it's just their air of superiority where like you said before we've got all this money to cushion our falls so we can afford to be lazy and disingenuous and all this other stuff but i feel like this is my monday night wars because i wasn't watching wrestling until the very very late 90s and even then it was only smackdown because i didn't have cable as a child so i only saw all that happen through backstory and documentaries and you know, talking with other, yeah, 
So I only got to hear one side of the story, which is why uh, I'm seeking out as much wrestling content as I can now. The Viceland series that you've been getting me to watch, you know, so I get to hear other sides of it, other facets of it. And I feel like there almost needs to be, at this point, a hostile takeover. You know, Triple H and Stephanie and anybody else who's got... You know, some storytelling chops need to just go into Vince's office and say, you're done. And we're not kidding. This is not a storyline. This is not a work. This is not an angle. You are literally done. And I don't know if they've had those conversations yet or not, but those conversations need to happen. Because I'm, I personally, you want to know my feeling about this. I am sick and tired of my guys and my girls on Raw and SmackDown and even the call-ups from NXT getting squandered because all they are is an assembler of talent, and they put them in. It's like when I collected baseball cards as a kid, and I put them in the, in the den. I put them up on a shelf. And as long as I have them, as long as they're mine, that's all I care about. But you've got Finn Balor and Samoa Joe and Bailey and Charlotte and Becky Lynch and Ali and all these people. I could go on and on, and you're Bobby wasting them. Eyeball. Yeah. Shinsuke Nakamura. Yeah. Thank you. And and you're and you're wasting them at the expense of the same tired tropes from the 80s and 90s. You're you know you're you're bringing back Goldberg and you're bringing back the Undertaker and you're bringing back Brock Lesnar. And I have respect for these gentlemen for their legacies and for their accomplishments and all that, but it is 2019. And the time for a 60-year-old person to wrestle has come and gone. I'm 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 sorry. I just I just I I know what I like, and I'm not seeing what I like. It was. I'm with you. I'm with you. RJ, go. I agree. One of the things that uh, Moxley said on the podcast today was that uh, as his contract was running out, Vince called him and asked him to sign a couple sign for a couple of more months to continue to do the European tour. And he said what he wanted to do was to tell him, why don't you call Dave? Why don't you call Hunter? Why don't you call one of these guys that's not us? Like, one of these guys that you actually want to pay attention to. Like, we don't want to do you favors anymore. Why don't you call the 60-year-old guys and the 50-year-old guys? Because that's all you care about. And it's it's a lot of that. Oh, yeah, it is. Don't get me wrong. I have, I've never shied away from being an Undertaker, Mark. So even though, yeah, the matches are absolutely horrible, to you know... I've never been able to experience the dead man's entrance. I have, oh, man. I have seen The Undertaker live twice in my life. And both times, he was on a motorcycle. So I never got lights out, gongs, purple lights, smoke, hat, trick coat, the whole 50 yards. So I'm always, there's, to me, there's always a bit of nostalgia in the undertaker there's a little bit of this is what is right with wrestling feeling with the undertaker but undertaker and goldberg in saudi arabia to hell with that um i I mean that's just like uh dude that is sting and jeff hardy at whatever (laughs) tna pay-per-view that was where hardy was blitzed out of his mind Ain't no, ain't nobody got time for that. I mean, the bottom line, gentlemen, I'll, I'll sum it up with this. 
WWE has got a problem on their hands. Yeah. You know, and I, I said this last week on the show when we were talking about AEW. I would characterize every move that Cody and the Bucks and the brain trust that, so that's associated with AEW, every move they've made has been smart. Very. They're playing off their scarcity right now. They, there's not a lot of content out there that's in the ring, so there's there's that novelty aspect to it. But they're also not flooding you with, okay, we're going to do this today, and then we're going to do this tomorrow, and then we're going to do this day after that. They've got a smart plan in place. We're going to present ourselves as an alternative to it. And the buzz is going to keep building because I can feel it from listening to RJ talk about all those people in the audience in Vegas and around Vegas for that weekend and how pumped up and passionate they were. This is going to become sooner rather than later a real problem for the folks in Stanford, Connecticut to have to deal with. Absolutely. And I fear that they don't have a good response in their back pocket for it. No, at least the 80-year-old in charge doesn't. No, and my prediction, gentlemen, is I think this problem is going to manifest itself by the end of the year because you got to also have to think while WWE is getting that billion dollars to jump to Fox in October, um, all Elite's going to be on TNT around the same time. It may be different days. I seriously doubt um, Cody and the Bucks would be dumb enough initially to try something like that, they may move the time slot to whenever SmackDown's on or whenever Raw's on. But this fall, when they're on TV on a weekly basis, they're gonna that's gonna be where the real problem is. And one thing I wanted to um, expunge on before we move topics and actually start the non-AEW related parts of the part of the part of the show, which I'm really looking forward to, our homework and our big discussion that we we're gonna have this week. You know what AEW reminds me of? And Brian, I know you will not you will not know this experience because you weren't you weren't around in wrestling for this. RJ, you might be with me on this. The birth the birth of the ECW revolution. Yeah, oh, absolutely. It's 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 a it's a small but it's a small group of people, but it's a group of people that within the wrestling community is large that are very passionate about one thing. Right. To, and to me, the reason it, the reason it feels the same way, but it's a little, it's structured a little bit differently. The content, like Brian said, very good point on that, by the way, man, the content is very limited. It's scarce. I think you, you use the word scarcity. Um, the scarcity of content for East, but it's all so far pay per view. Because even though All In wasn't branded under AEW, All In was an AEW show. Um, so many of the same people that were in All In are now under contract with All Elite Wrestling. Um, so you've got, you know, their scarcity is in their pay per views. ECW scarcity was in their syndication. And then they got national TV and then pay-per-view. All Elite is going to have their pay-per-views as their scarcity, creating the buzz, and then their big hammer is going to be TNT. Um, to me, it feels like ECW, except with a legit budget. Absolutely. And, and, I'll, and I'll throw in something real quick about you were talking about the schedule and when they might go on. 
Um, I don't, there's nothing that's factual about that yet, obviously. But when late last year, when everything originally leaked about them copywriting AEW and all elite wrestling and all the list of things that they copyrighted, one of the things that they copyrighted was the term Tuesday night dynamite. And the rumors are that the week that SmackDown moves to Friday is the first week that they're going to be on on Tuesday on TNT. And if that is true, I think that is brilliant because people are already used to watching wrestling on Tuesday nights. So give it to them. That actually, I did not know that. That is freaking golden. It's, it's genius. On the show tonight. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. It's, is- it's definitely my pleasure to be here. This is a freaking blast. Definitely, if that's the case, Brian, you know, you, we've been talking, we, we like, you and I love to talk about the business aspect of this. If that is the case and they go on Tuesdays the same week that eight, that SmackDown debuts on Fox, it's a massive Is that a smart move? It's just another smart move in a series of smart moves. And, you know, streaks can't go on forever. But like I said, so far, you know, Cody and Matt and Nick and Tony Khan and, and all of the other people involved in it are just really being smart and shrewd about how they're presenting this as this alternative over here. If you're, it sounds like they're talking to me. I mean, hey, you're obviously disillusioned with what you're seeing on Monday nights and Tuesday nights. Come on over here and give this a try because I think you're going to like what you see. And I'll admit what I, what I have seen, I like what I see. You know, is it enough to make me just give up on WWE? No, because I've still got too much skin in that game. You know, nor I, I feel like I shouldn't have to give up on either one. You shouldn't. So. Wrestling. Love wrestling. Love all of it. Exactly. <laughs> and that's what we do here on Wrestling with Egos. We preach. And, you know, we're all men of faith here. But sorry to say it, we preach the gospel of professional wrestling. It's not under one banner. You know, you can like WWE, you can like Ring of Honor, you can like Impact. We're not going to judge you. You can like you can like New Japan, you can like Pro Wrestling Noah, you can like All Elite. Bring the conversation. Okay, before we get into the rest of our conversation on this show which is already shaping up to be the best one we've ever done. Um again, get in on the conversation with us. You can hit me up on Twitter, rant mode on. Brian, you can hit up at bkrigo15. RJ, you can hit up at rjeman two ends. I almost knocked Close. my glasses off. That would have been funny. Um, we did get to plug the uh, uh, the email earlier in the show. You can email the show at wrestlingwithegos at gmail.com. Don't forget to check out our Google site, our little archive that Brian's put together at bit.ly slash withegos. That's got all of our homework assignments. It's got links to the links to our past shows. You know, it's not really an interactive thing, but it's kind of more of an an archive. Here's what you repository, mean. if you will. It's a repository. I like that's that. That's a great word. I love words like that. Oh, well, that's that, if Brian's got millions oh, of gimmick. I know. The verbiage. The, the intellectual savior. Or as I like to say, the man with one very large dick. Shinari. <laughs> Gotta get that dramatic pause in there for the effect just to get Wait it. Wait for it. You know what Wait happens. For it. 
You know what happens when you make jokes no. about? No. No. You Down just made the list. Downboy. <laughs> mentioning um, mentioning the list, I gotta throw out how um freaking amazing Chris Jericho's entrance was at Double or Nothing. Oh, gangster! Awesome. I had the guy in the row behind me was like, "What is taking so long for him to come out?" And I turned and I looked at him and I said, "Quit complaining. This entrance is amazing." <laughs> Dude, Jericho. Okay, you know we're talking about old guys and everything else and. Uh, Moxley bashing. Hey, call Dave. Call Hunter. Dude, Jericho's pushing fifty. Jericho is still a badass. He's a baller, man. He's is. I know that I'm in the minority here, but he's my goat. Uh, just the way he's been able to invent himself through the years and the, his amazing in ring and on the mic. I don't think that there's anybody throughout the history of wrestling that's done it the way Jericho's done it. No, no. I I think there are better in the history of wrestling than him. Very few. I can literally think. Two, Sean and Flair. Sean and Flair, right? <laughs> My top three are Sean, Flair, Jericho. Um, but in terms of being able to reinvent oneself, Jericho is the greatest at it because he's, he's a classic himself. Thing. I mean, even in WCW, you know his. You know, his big, massive ponytail that went straight up that looked like my daughter when she was, you know, her hair was finally growing long and we'd grab all of it and just pull it straight up and a little scrunchy right there. Um, you know, in his list of a thousand four holds and his conspiracy victim signs and then, oh. y and then Y2J. Like, what the bloody hell? This is a completely different dude, and he's just continued to do it over and over and over. Yep. Um, let's talk. You want you want to do homework, Brian, or you want to say? Yeah, that? let's let's knock out the homework because I feel like we sh we can that way we can let the the big topic of conversation breathe at the end of the show. I, I'm with you. So homework for last week, and I actually slipped the homework to RJ as well. And he can, I know, right? Hey, we hey, we knew RJ was going to be on the show. I'm like, hey, you want, if you want to do the homework, do the homework. I'll probably do the homework. I love that match. <laughs> Ryan assigned to us um, from Armageddon 2008. It was Triple H, Edge, and Jeff Hardy for the WWE Championship, in which Jeff Hardy won. Um a long, a, a long line of career, a long line in the history of titles that Jeff Hardy has won. Literally, I think he's the only guy in WWE history to ever win every title they've ever offered. That might be true. Well, he's never been a 24-7 champion, so. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Brian. I know, I know. I'm sorry. Title. What, what the hell? Anyway. Man, I forgot how hot that crowd was for yeah. that. I mean, because that was like the okay, Jeff's got a shot at winning this. There was you could tell there was a palatable feeling that that crowd thought Jeff Hardy could walk away that night with the WWE title, even though he was in the ring with at that time two major heavyweights. Uh, in Triple H and Edge, guys that were power players at the top of the uh, top of the mountain in the company at that time. 
Um, such a good match. It, it wasn't like necessarily like clean, I thought, but it was a match that told a great story. And there, because of that fan emotional investment, we want Jeff to win. We all want right. Jeff to win. You know what it reminded me of? And RJ, you might feel the same way. It reminded me of the first elimination chamber where Sean won it. We all want Sean to win the title. We all want yeah. Sean to win the title. Sean hits that super kick, gets the one, two, three, and you and you could have blown the roof off of, off of Madison Square Garden. Absolutely. It, it reminds me a little bit of Kofi at WrestleMania this year, too. Yes. Daniel Bryan at 30. Right, absolutely. Just one of those. This is the guy we like. We want him to win it. CM Punk at Money in the Bank in Chicago. Right. It was one of those, like, feel-good pops. Uh, I loved it. Um, try, I, I watched it earlier in the week, and I've had such a crazy weekend that I kind of forgot some of the points that I was going to make. Uh, and they're all on... They're all on my phone, which is what I'm using to record the show. So, damn it. <laughs> Mr. G Mr. Brian, I'm sorry I wasn't fully prepared for class. Again. Uh, go, ahead. go ahead. Give me uh, give me some points off. I'm always ill-prepared for class. Eh, story of my life. Um, I, I, lo I, I love the finish. The pedigree, the pin, the swanton, tri uh, uh, trips is ejected, not like literally, but you know he rolls out and um, Jeff gets the cover on edge. One, two, three, new champ. Un unfortunately for me, it seemed like another in a long line of wasted opportunities on Jeff Hardy. Because Jeff could never get out of his own way in his personal life. And that cost, truth be told, I think that cost him a massive title run because he was so popular. No, oh, he was the most, I, I feel like he was the most over in the company at the time. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, he had that new, he had that new entrance music. He was doing the whole black light, you know, black light paint dripping off of his hands and his yep. face. And then the pyro, um, and then they also, you know, he had the title and then got screwed over by his brother. And then it leads to uh, WrestleMania 25, which was a dumpster fire. Um, I'm sorry, their match, their match, their I quit match at 25 was just, was it? No, the match at 25 had, uh, had Matt go over. The twist yeah. of fate was the Yeah. Yeah. And then it led to the I quit match later. Might have been SummerSlam. I can't remember. But yeah, it was just like uh, it, that feud to me just went nowhere. I mean, it was kind of like, you know, I and honestly truly made me feel like WWE looked at that feud and go, okay, Cody, Dustin, this is why we're not going to put you on at WrestleMania. Matt and Jim. <laughs> like, really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Um, I give it. I give it a B. I, I give the match itself a good solid B. wasn't great, but definitely did not suck. A lot of good emotion, a lot of feel good. Now, don't get me wrong. Even though if it, even if it wouldn't have had feel good, it would have had me just absolutely furious. 
Like, I didn't want him to win, but it was still a great match. I still would have given it a B. Um, it was just solid. Nothing sucked, but nothing was absolutely over the top amazing, except for the except for the fin, except for the end result. RJ, if you were going to grade it, what would you say? I think B's good. Um, it had the ending everybody wanted. It was a good, solid match. I mean, those are three guys that can, you know, that can go. Uh, Hunter, not maybe not anymore, but <laughs> then he could go. Um, I B's good. Um, the crowd reaction when Jeff wins is just. That's an A plus. Like that crowd reaction is just phenomenal. And I even put on the on the, the our Google site in the rundown for this match in the homework assignment tab. I remember thinking there was no way Jeff was going to win. I'm like, come on, he's in with Edge and Triple H. You know, either Triple H is retaining or Edge is going over. Um, <clears throat> so I was just as shocked as anybody when the final sequence of events that Patrick just laid out went down the way it did, and. Uh, Hardy winds up being the one getting the pin. I'm like, oh, oh, really? Okay. And, and, and then, as we said, you spin it forward, and it's just a non-satisfying aftermath. Yeah, absolutely. It's nice to see that Jeff has been able to get out of his own way and kind of, you know, upped his game, his life yeah. game recently. Yeah, life game, more importantly, we, you know, because you know, don't get me don't get me wrong. I think I can speak for the the rest of this this uh, all star panel here on wrestling with egos. We want to see you succeed and be great in the ring, but be a good, you know, be good in life too. Live your Absolutely. best. I mean, okay, cool. We can boo you to the ends of the earth, but if you're a good dude, you're a good dude. Yeah. We'll still do the hell out of you, but you're a good dude. That's why right. I love Adam Cole so much. One of the nicest guys ever, but in the ring, he's an asshat. <laughs> do you have uh, homework for me this week, good sir? Yes, I do. And RJ, if you join us next week, you can do this one as well. All right. But I'm giving you a heads up. If you do, if you do join us next week, you have to give the homework assignment. So you, All have, right. you have to prep something for both Brian and I. Okay. Gentlemen, your homework assignment. And Brian, you will, you will have heard this before because this was on the lost episode. I'm bringing this one back out since you didn't since we didn't do it. It is a two-part assignment because both matches literally run in together. You will have to watch them both because, to me, that's the entire story. You will watch from ECW, barely legal. You will watch the three-way dance to determine the number one contender for the ECW World Heavyweight Championship. Big Stevie Cool versus the Sandman versus Terry Funk. The winner of that immediately takes on the ECW World Heavyweight Champion, Raven. It is the main event of ECW Barely. Um, and as always, why are we assigning this match? Emotion. One word. This is a story from beginning to end. It's beautiful. And if you want to look, you know, Brian, I've given you, I've given you homework assignments that were, this is just a great match. 
this is an embodiment of ECW. I believe when I used that, we did that Jerry Lynn and Rob Van Dam match from Hardcore Heaven. I told you, and I believe I used the words, as far as ECW is concerned, this is as good as it gets. Period. End of story. As far as storytelling inside the ring is concerned, this is masterclass. This is because you feel during this match. And if you don't, you probably don't need to be watching wrestling. Well, then I look forward to queuing it up then. Yeah. It's kind of, it, um, it's kind of you know, we talked about that Eric Bischoff TED Talk. It's on YouTube where he talks about news media stealing pages out of professional wrestling's playbook because news media just now today wants to make you feel. It's what wrestling does. This is what it is supposed to look like. And I will say also that you have yet to give me a clunker of an ECW match. I've, I've found value in every ECW match you've given me. I'm and not saying that I... I'm not I'm not saying that I want you to give me ECW matches ad infinitum because eventually I'm going to have to say I'm going to have to call your punk card and say, hey, hey there, there, there's other things out there that, that you oh, could no, have I'm me watch. ECW stuff, too, but that's I, fine. You know, we've talked on this show how I wanted to give you a little bit more of an expose into yeah. ECW because you have no knowledge of it. So I wanted to go down. I wanted to take you down is, you know, we. And it, it's very apropos that we're doing, for next week's homework assignment, we're doing fairly legal because tonight we're talking about double or nothing. It's very appropriate to me. So, which leads us into our conversation piece for the, re for, for the remainder of the night. Just kind of consider this three dudes at a bar just having a, having a few drinks and just shooting the bull on a topic. Bartender, right here. Yeah. Um, so I got a question for you guys. And obviously, obviously, Brian, we talked about this last week uh, and kind of previewed it. So we'll get into it this week. Who are some wrestlers over the course of time since we've been watching that never won the world title? And I say the world title because we can be talking about NWA, WCW, ECW, WWE, whatever. Someone that was deserving of winning the title in whatever federation, but never did. And I get, I will start it off with one example. And I'm I we before we did the show, I mentioned two. I'm only going to use one of them for now, and I'll save the other one for when either one of you bring it up because I know you will. Vader. Big Van Vader, arguably the greatest big man, the greatest super heavyweight in the history of the business, three-time IWGP heavyweight champion. I think I've got the number right, three-time WCW champion with a just A-plus Dave Meltzer, 700-star feud with Sting. I mean, amazing talent. Goes to WWE and literally never wins a stinking belt. Why do you think that is? Um, and that's a question I'm going to be asking a lot during this because, again, I, 
don't pretend to know how Vince's brain works or how Bruce Pritchard's brain worked or how ever Vince Russo, anybody who was making the booking decisions. Why do you think Vader never had a run with the belt? Too nice of a guy. All the stories you hear is that Vader, is that Big Leon was just the nicest guy in the world. Okay. I honestly think that he, that WCW looked at him as this guy is an athlete. This guy is holy crap. And they, they pushed that. Leon, because he's Big Van Vader. Vader got, Vader got hindered because of who Leon White is, in my opinion. Um, I'm going to adjust the air conditioner. You guys have some thoughts. RJ, who, who would you uh, put forth as a guy that should have had a run but never did? I think my number one is probably the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase. Oh, all, all around, I, he's one of the greatest of all time. And, I mean, I guess technically you could say that he had the championship because he bought it from Andre, but I don't know that that counts. Gotta win it. Gotta win it. Gotta, gotta win, win it. it. Right, exactly. You gotta win it. You, you win him in the ring, you'll lose him in the ring, like Macho Man used to say, right? Um, or, you lose him in, or you lose him in the ring because you go find your smile or you get injured. Or in Rob Van Dam's case, you get pulled over the Canadian border with a crap ton of weed. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that uh, the that Macho Man or that uh, DiBiase is. I, mean, I don't know how he never won it. He is Vince. Like Vince made himself a character, put it on DiBiase, and then never gave him the belt. I don't get it. Yeah, but made, but gave him his own belt, which I thought was just a joke. Oh, and by the way, the other horrible joke I was going to make, or in Enzo's case, that, <laughs> moving right along. Yeah. yeah, Brian, who's your first submission into the list, man? Uh, one of my favorite heels of all time. Yes, I do like heels. Uh, newsflash. Um, breaking Jake, news! Breaking news! Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go Jake the Snake Roberts. And he never won any belt of any kind. I don't know. Intercontinental tag, nothing. He didn't, he had no titles in WWE, which I found when I was doing my research, I found that to be very shocking. And the lovebird, even when we were talking about what are you going to talk about tonight, and she asked me to read my list off, she's like, seriously, Jake never won a belt? I'm like, nope, never won a belt. But Jake's a guy that I don't think ever needed to win a belt because he was so over as a psychologist and as, you know, that silent but deadly. One of the greatest minds this business has ever seen. I will put him up there with the likes of Heyman, and Rhodes, who I and I think Dusty and Paul Heyman are the two true geniuses of this business. And Jake Roberts was just as good. He knew psychology, and his promos were so amazing. That feud he had with DiBiase over the million dollar bell, and I can't. And he closed the promo with. Some kind of, I can't remember what it was, but it was just like, you'll be alone and deserted and drowning in the muck of something. I was like, oh, 
He was actually. I, I've talked to you both at length about how every time Undertaker comes out, like he makes the hairs on my neck stand up. Yeah. Jake the Snake Roberts was the first guy to make to have that effect on me. Uh, as a child, you know, getting into it in the you know in the mid '80s, of, you know, the Hogan era, and then Snake Jake the Snake would come out, and I'd be like, "There's something about this dude," and I don't know what it is. I can't put my finger on it because I'm only, you know, nine, but he makes me scared. And yeah. I guess that's the point. And even as a good guy, there was just something about him that was just like, okay, psychologically, you're 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 you've already got one up on everybody. One thing I always loved about Jake, and if I ever was big enough to be a wrestler, I would have done this. Jake would always sit in the ring in the corner, grab the top rope, and pull himself off. Yeah, I love that. I thought that was slick as hell. Absolutely. So I guess I, I guess we loop back around, and it's my second submission. Well, you guys didn't mention it on the first draft, so I'm gonna go the, the first round of the draft. So I'm gonna go ahead and throw it out there. Rest in peace, Owen Hart. Absolutely, he would have. I feel like I feel like he would have. Oh, I I, I do too. If he wouldn't have, if Over the Edge wouldn't have happened. Yeah. Um, in my opinion, very unpopular opinion, the best Hart. I agree I, with you. Believe I it or not, I think he was leaps and bounds better than Brett. So do I. Um, he had a lot more per a shitload more personality. Oh God! When it comes to charisma, there's no comparison between him and his brother. No. Um, truth be told, when it comes to the ring, I don't think there was much comparison between him and his brother. I thought he was just that much better. Um, Owen won everything else: tag, European, Intercontinental. The fact that he never won the WWE title is a travesty. Uh, I, he was one of my, he, to me, that was at a, you know, in my teenage years, I could count on one hand how many heels I liked. By the way, three of them were horsemen. <laughs> Flair, uh, Flair, Tully, Arn. <laughs> um, um, he was that other heel that I was like, yeah, you're a you're a pain in the ass, but God, I love watching you, man. He was one of those one of those kind of guys who were just like, yeah. And the and I when he died, I I mean I cried like a baby because yeah. that that was kind of to me. He's and I'm not trying to compare in ring work between the guys. To me, he's like what the Miz is now. You know, you're just so good at being a heel. I'm gonna boo you, but God, I love you, man. Right. You know, I would if I ever had the opportunity to shake Mike Mazan's hand, I'd be like, dude, I have enjoyed booing the hell out of you for 10 years, man. You make me want to hate you, and I love it. Thank you. <laughs> I uh I, I told I called him, I told him he was the best heel in wrestling uh years ago when he cashed in the briefcase and won the belt. Oh. Uh, me and my wife met him like three or four days after that at a bar in Parma, and uh, I, I told him that he was the best heel in the business at the time. And he was. Um, I still like him as a babyface, and he's getting the babyface treatment because of how I, because of how successful the reality show is. Right. But as a heel, like, dude, the whole Miz Taraj thing, freaking gold. Oh, no doubt. Absolutely. We're, we're not talking about great heels. We're talking about guys that have not, 
that did not win the big title and where wherever they were. And again, chime in on this conversation. You can hit us up on Twitter. I'm at Rant Mode On. Brian's at bkrigo 15 RJ is at RJ Man or Man Two Ends. Uh, and email mm. for the show wrestling with egos at gmail.com. RJ. Anybody else you want to throw out there? Uh, well, first I would like to mention that I think it's a travesty that um, Prince Devitt never won the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. He was a junior champion, but he was never the heavyweight champion. But the one I'm actually going to go with is Ravishing Rick Rude. Uh, Ravishing is one of the greatest of all. He's one of the most underrated performers that the wrestling business has ever seen. No argument. And to be honest, one of the baddest entrances ever. No, absolutely. But, but I'd like to have right now. Oh my god! Yeah, god. And I would be, and I would be remiss if having piggybacking off of Brian's most recent one, the feud between Jake and Ravishing Rick Rude was freaking oh stuff of legend, man. That stuff was amazing. Oh my god! It was so. Good. When, he, when he put his wife on his tights. Oh, man. God, I love that so much. I was a kid and I thought that was cool. I was like, what a, what a shark. Right, absolutely. Like, what kind of a horrible, you know, translating 40 year old Patrick, what kind of a horrible asshole do you have to be to do that? <laughs> right. Oh, my God, Rick Rude. Um, can I be honest? Rick Rude, WCW, Dangerous Alliance. Ten times better than WWF Rick Rude. Mm-hmm. We would have to get into that conversation. I don't. I don't know that I necessarily agree, but I'm not going to fight you too hard. Yeah, Dangerous, <laughs> Dangerous Alliance Rick Rude with Paul E as the manager. Oh God! Ah, ah, done. Done. <laughs> like I, I'm, a, I'm a Paul Heyman guy too, so I, I hear you. That's like double dastardly. I mean, good lord, Brian. Uh, my next one is Rowdy Roddy Piper. Never won the big ones. Uh, personally, if he would have done it, I would have loved to have seen him do it as a heel as opposed to a face. Right. No, absolutely. As a heel, oh my God, what an ass. Uh, just so antagonistic. He was never really an ass about anything. He was just that... Fly in the ointment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He, he's the wet fart in church. There's an, an analogy. I mean, just turn, you know, flying the ointment, wet, wet, wet fart in, tur- uh, in church, turn the punch bowl, whatever you want to call it. That was him. He was just annoying and grating and insulting. And it was awesome. Um, I'll agree with you on that. And I would have loved to have seen him take the title off Hogan. Yeah. Oh, God. Man, that would have been a hell of a. Um, I can't. There's not much I can say uh, say to uh, to go on that one. So I think I'll loop it back around, uh, and I'm gonna stay in the Heart Foundation. Bulldog. No, I was never a Bulldog fan. I don't know why. I never got into him ever. I don't. I just. I ne- I don't know why. I just never did. Bulldog had a good personality, hell of a look, and was just, for a big dude, was good. 
Um, he'd be a lot lower on my list than everybody else I've mentioned, but um, I like him. I liked him better when he was the tag, you know, with with the the... gentlemen. May I rewind because I thought of a different one. Okay. In his WWE, well, WWF career, Steamboat. Yeah, that's a great one. I mean, he is responsible for one of the greatest matches in the history of this business. Him and Flair. And he won the Intercontinental title. Once. Once. I, to me, that was a waste of talent. Now, he wasn't in WWF for very long, though. Yeah, he was. Or was he? Yeah. He was there um, at least WrestleMania 3, 4, 5. Okay, that that is enough time to have a run with something. Oh yeah, to be part of your plans. Right, and then he when he realized it was going nowhere nowhere real fast, he went back to uh, the NWA, went back to Crockett, and then had that series of matches with Flair. Because the minute he came back, he was the number one contender. Right. Because they knew they had some. So I'm gonna go Steamboat instead of Bulldog. I'll go Steamboat. RJ, anybody else? Um, I'll go a little until we run out of run out of guys. I'll go a little. I'll I'll go with a current one, and it, it will probably change in the near future. I would imagine, but I uh, can't believe that Drew McIntyre has never been WWF champion yet. Like WWE, I guess he was never in the F. But WWE, I I thought he was fun- even when he was the chosen one, Drew McIntyre. I thought he was better than most people did. I will agree that he as chosen when he was better than he was given credit for. Drew McIntyre now, Brian's heard it a million times. I am in love with with current Drew McIntyre. Number one, you can do, you know, as a heel, keep McIntyre as he is, just this vicious, ruthless monster that's just carving up everybody. As a good guy, he looks like a million bucks. He is just a Damn good looking dude. And you can run to that. You can he's a good looking dude that is awesome in the ring. That's a license to print money. Right, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, kind of like MJF is a heel right now. License to print money. Um, so yeah, very good on Drew McIntyre. Brian. I have a I have a few more here. Uh, I can I can last with you guys. Uh William Regal. Yes. Love that one. See, I loved, I, I love Regal. I have loved everything about Regal. I have gotten to meet him a couple times. Their stories are true. He is absolutely a wonderful human being. I don't know if I would have ever made him world champ. And I get that, I, I know that with Regal, there were some issues going on. I know in like the mid to late 90s when he was first there, you know, there he got fired a couple of times and stuff like that. And there's been personal things that you know, and and whatnot. But when I look at what he's doing now, or what he's still doing with NXT, even though Hunter is, you know, very much in charge and Sean a lot more now too. You know, a mind almost unparalleled in the business. 
you know, a lot more in the psychological bent, you know, along the lines of Roddy Roddy Piper and Jake the Snake Roberts and things like that. You know, imagining even if it was a brief run, like a three or four month run with the belt, what he could have done with it. Yeah. Uh, I got one. And I just lost it, son of a gun. RJ, go. I mean, come back to me. I don't have one. The only one I have is really somebody who didn't get a long enough run with the belt, and I think that's Kane. I don't think Kane got ever got. He did get it, but I don't think he ever got a long enough run with it. I don't think so. Uh, I I just I just remember mine. I want to spit mine out. We'll talk about Kane in a minute. I want to spit mine out before I forget it. Razor Ramon. Yeah. Hell yeah. He's. Scott Hall, at the height of his run in WWE, was the most over guy there was. He was over. Check out my ride, man. He was oozing machismo, as he would tell you. Man. Uh, but yeah, so, so good. Um, I thought he was, I thought he was amazing. Um, yeah, he benefited from working with some absolute stellar guys. Kane, I also agree with you when he, because he cashed in on Ray uh, at Money in the Bank, and his title run didn't last very long. I was no. kind of disappointing that it didn't. Um, but the promos he was cutting at that time were great. I liked everything about it. So yeah, I mean, the fact that he didn't have an a, an elongated run as champion, I think they could have done wonders with him as a heel champion. But again, as we've talked about on this show plenty of times, in WWE, it's the heel that chases the face champion and right. not the way around, which I still to this day say that's it's, it's it, completely backwards. I agree. <laughs> which is why in AEW, Jericho needs to be the first champ because Jericho's the heel. You I know? agree. Brian, you got anybody else you want to throw out? Um... I'm torn between two of them because I went deep on this. Um, I'm going to go Jesse the Body Ventura. Ooh. Now, he was a bit before my time because, again, mid-80s when I was coming in, you know, I'm starting to watch this stuff, he was already commentating. Right. You know, and doing a fine job of it, you know, if I do say so myself. But, you know, his time in the ring, I felt like he could have had a decent run with, with the belt. Oh, yeah. But he, he was, was he was there at the time at the time I think he was he was Sam Martino's era, right? Uh, or no. the tail end of it. He was Graham Vera. Okay, superstar Billy Graham. Okay. He was he was he was in there with superstar. Okay. But yeah, oh yeah, Ventura was and honestly, Ventura could have gotten a title run, but he wasn't going to because he was the second best heel that Vince had. The best heel being superstar Billy Graham. So, yeah, I think he totally deserved it. And I think it, I think he should have gotten one. Um, I got one more on my list. And it's a big one. And truth be told, I think it's the biggest one of them all. Because the man never won a title. Andre. I understand why you don't put the title on him. Right. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, 
a standard bearer in this business, in this sport, in this production that we all love so much. Absolutely. He was one of the, the best attractions, as Vince likes to say, of all time. Oh, and, and he was an attraction. I, yeah, I'm, I can only assume that just like Brian and I, you've seen the Andre documentary that HBO did. Yes, yes. Oh, so good. Oh, phenomenal. Absolutely. And I feel like the stuff that Viceland is putting out is kind of on par production-wise to that. I think it's phenomenal. And Yeah, and having Dutch, Man- having, uh, Dutch Mantel or what the hell was his name in WWE? Uh, Zeb Coulter. Zeb Coulter. Yeah, have he's still he's still Dirty Dutch Mantel. Kiss yeah, absolutely. Having um, Dirty Dutch Mantel narrate that is so good. So, absolutely. God, I remember uh, Dutch Mantel in Alabama Championship Wrestling, wrestling for the Fullers. Good God. Oh, that's awesome. I uh, I remember a TV taping. I got to go. I got to go to a couple of those. Uh, TV taping, he came out with a, in a T-shirt that said, "Yes, you may worship me." Huh. I'm like, "Oh, that's good stuff." I like that. that. That's the kind of stuff I like. I love that. That's phenomenal. My God, oh, he was he was so. Um, anybody else got anything? Because I'm out. I'm out too. Really? Well, <laughs> looks like I win because I have one more. <laughs> uh, nice. Is it a WWE guy? Yes, it is, and a W and an ECW guy, which kind of gives you an idea of where I'm going with this. Oh, son of a bitch! Do it, Bam Bam Bigelow. Not where I was going. That's I. I, I remember being, you know, hip with Bam Bam too. With you know, thinking a big guy that can move like that. Bam Bam. Well, he wrestled Bam, in ECW. Bam Bam won the world oh, title in ECW. Yeah. Oh, I just I I, I thought it, you know, it was a WWF list primarily, but <laughs> I, he didn't win. A, he didn't win. You know, the the big one. Yeah. Right. But, you know, hey, you're right. I thought you were talking about Bam Bam in ECW. I'm like, wait, no, no. He won the world title. But you're yeah, I didn't know that. But Just like Vader won in WCW and, and New Japan, he didn't win right. squat in WWE, and that was my beef. Right. What well, yeah. did you think I was going to say? Rob Van Dam, because let's be honest, that WWE ECW title don't count. I think it does. He beat Cena. No. That doesn't count. That title was a sham. I, I think it counts. I don't. I think it counts, too. <laughs> I will stand on my mountain by myself, damn it. I thought you were going to say Tommy Dreamer. But Dreamer won the ECW title. Right, I know, but that's what I thought he was going to say. I thought he was going to say Van Damme. Because I was like, because I personally, to me, Vince's version of ECW is like Rocky Five. It did no. not happen. Right, I agree with that. I will agree with that. The WWE CW show never happened. But if you look at the Rob Van Dam beating Cena with Edge's help and that one night stand never happened. But it wasn't WWE CW yet then. It was still just the reborn original ECW. 
it wasn't the WWE CW as we came to know it, the television show that had that stupid zombie. You're kidding yourself. You're kidding yourself. <sighs> I don't know. All right. I mean, we'll, we'll, agree, to, we'll agree to disagree. I, 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 I think it counts. To be, to be, to be settled later. Absolutely. Brian, the, right? Huh? In the dugout, right? In the dugout or <laughs> on this show and Brian's refereeing. Yeah, that'd be fun. Make sure you wear a black and white shirt that day, Bubba. All we'll right, schedule, We'll schedule that one for a later date. Um, anybody got any ideas for a... Because I like this whole conversation thing. I like this. You guys got any ideas for next week? Well, put me on the spot. Um, yeah, right. What I do on this show. You had mentioned... Oh, actually, we should bring something back from the last show. What? Uh, finishing moves. Boom. Oh, finish? No, it wasn't finishing moves. It was finishing moves that used to be like you knew it was done, and now and they've been watered down, overused to the point where people use them thirty-five seconds into the match. So we should rehash that discussion. Yes. So, for an example, for those of you that are watching that don't really follow that. Back in the day, you know, one of our, one of the guys RJ mentioned, Jake Roberts. No, it was I'm sorry, it was Brian that mentioned Jake Roberts. Jake hit you with a DDT. That was ball game. Now everybody does a DDT, and it gets a two count. Back in the day, Chris Adams or Shawn Michaels would hit you with that super kick. Lights out. Game over. Now everybody does it. Right. And very few people get the win with it. We're talking about moves like that. Moves that used to be just a death sentence, and now it's just eh. That but, should be our topic for next time, then. That's good stuff. Cool, and now they're just a move. And I've got a lot already in my head. <laughs> and the sad thing is, yeah, and one of them is one of the coolest move, coolest top rope moves of them all. I'll go ahead and spoil my number one for you right now. Moonsault. <laughs> How many people do a moonsault now? How many people get a pin with it? I'm actually working on a moonsault right now. So uh, it's, you know. <laughs> Who's working on a moonsault? I am. I, I, it's, I, I'm dabbling in it. You know, it's, it, it's okay. It's serviceable. We've seen you run to first base. You ain't working on a damn moonsault. <laughs> I, I give it my all. Yep. Hey, hey, none of us are working on a moonsault. What, we, we might elbow drop first base, but we ain't working on no moonsault. I could probably do the Judas effect. <laughs> better than Jericho. At least better than he did at a double or nothing. Yeah, see, I could do, I, I could, I could, I could do the Judas effect too. I'd probably miss and then spin myself into the ground, which kind of, <laughs> which kind of looks like my baseball swing. You know, ball, balls right in front, balls right in front of me. I'm already way out here. <laughs> Somehow, I still managed to make contact with a metal bat instead of it sounding like ping. It sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, good show. Yeah, it was fun. Lots of fun, man. So next week, next week we're gonna, truth be told, God only knows what the content's gonna be because 
Raw's probably going to suck again. Let's be honest. So we'll probably lambaste that and mourn the fact that we don't have any really good wrestling content. And we may just all of a sudden just decide to kick it old school. Just watch Double or Nothing again. That is really good wrestling content. Yes, very much. I would like to take this opportunity to throw out while I'm mentioning Double or Nothing. I'm actually going to start. I want to hit in the ground floor on this. I'm going to start a podcast that is AEW-centric. I'm going to call it Forever All In. Um, I, I, I loved all in, uh, I am forever all in that feeling will be with me forever. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to launch it next week. You can find it at, uh, on Twitter at forever all in it search forever all in on YouTube, search it on Facebook. I have pages. I don't have any content yet, but it's, it's coming. A-E-Dub, baby. And you know what? As, as long, tell you what, as long as you're working with us on this show and helping us improve our content, we will let you plug the hell out of it, and I appreciate I'll, it. I don't know. I don't know about the big mine in the uh, in the green shark mine, but uh, my services are always uh, available. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, I'm saying it, and it will be asked for. Believe that. Well, believe you, that, right? You can. Uh, no, we're not going. <laughs> but we will. I will go new jack on you. You can believe that. Good <laughs> believe stuff. Uh, but, gentlemen, great show, RJ. It's been a pleasure having having you. Thank doors you. open anytime you want to join the insanity. We'll, uh, you know, we love to have you. If you decide you want to make yourself a uh, permanent member of the show, all you gotta do is say the word. The invitation's there, brother. I appreciate the invitation, man. I had a blast. It's lots of fun, man. Hey, we don't do this show. enough. So, Lord only knows if we'll see RJ. That's to be determined. It's on, you know, hey. He's got an open contract. He can come and go as he, as he pleases. However, me and Brian are under contract. So you'll definitely see us next week. And for that, I'm simply sorry. Uh, but until then, my name's Patrick. And for RJ and Brian, wait, Brian, you got any final thoughts before we roll out of here? If you look like you got something you're going to say. No, I just, you know, I think it was a great show. I, I enjoyed the third voice uh, on the screen providing the... Uh, front row seat to all things AEW and uh, I know we'll be hearing more from him uh, as things roll forth and uh, I want to thank everybody for the support and the love and the feedback uh, you know that's how we get better so thank you again very much it's much appreciated absolutely and as always let's go ahead and wrap this ba- wrap, wrap up this bad boy my name's Patrick you can, you can hit me up on Twitter at rant mode on you can hit up Brian at B Kriego one five and RJ you can hit up at RJ e man with two ends um, this has been wrestling with egos and as always for my two brothers I always like to close it out by simply saying that's our story and we're sticking to it